Hey, welcome to the Healthy Steps with Nicole podcast, where it is my goal to help you see what is possible for your business, for your life, and for the sales that are going to get you there. Get ready to be inspired and supported while you launch and grow your health and wellness business. I'm Nicole Kramer, coach, sales expert, and health and wellness fanatic. Each week, I will be having amazing guest experts that will share with us their knowledge on mindset, money, how to attract your dream clients, successfully close sales, and so much more. Selling doesn't have to be hard. You can have the confidence and the clarity you need to create and grow your dream business. Bex, welcome. I am so excited to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, well, this was actually something that you earned. So congratulations Mm -hmm. to you for everybody listening. Um, Bex is in my Facebook group, Nicole Sales Superstars. And we recently had a contest as part of the 12 days of giveaways for the holidays. And the contest winner got to be interviewed on my podcast. And you are sitting here listening to the winner. And Bex, congrats for showing up so powerfully as part of the contest. And uh, congrats on being here. Thank you. I cleaned up in that contest. I was like, every morning I was like, what am I doing today? Let's, I just think, why not? When someone is giving away such valuable stuff. And I think we actually had this conversation the other day especially when you're just getting started as I am, it's very easy to be so overwhelmed with all the coaches that are trying to get your attention as a new health coach. And I learned very quickly that that can be hugely distracting and you need to find the one or two, I'd say probably three max that you can align with that you get their message that you see themselves in and just focus on them and for me you were absolutely one of them so when you're giving away in this contest you're giving away I got some training from you I've had three hours of coaching with you this week which has been amazing and also it's good to be part of community to know this can be hugely lonely right when you're just starting out and you're thinking like oh god I'm just here on my own. I'm not in a job anymore. I'm just sat in my house 24-7. So being part of the community and part of the challenge was great for me. Yeah, that's awesome to hear because it is very isolating as an entrepreneur and because, you know, most of us are solopreneurs and at least initially, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we none of us get to do this on our own. If we are going where we say we're going, you're going to need people to support you and help you along the way. But initially, a lot of times, like when you're in the position that you are, you're brand new. And so you are doing a lot of things on your own. So, you know, that's one of the biggest reasons why I started the Facebook group is because I know how powerful community is. And to get you through the things that you're going through with a community of like-minded people is so valuable. So, um, and you've been such a positive contributing member to that community. And, you know, the community is only as good as its members. And Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful for you being a part of it because you definitely make it what it is by being there with us. So thank you. Thank you for starting it and for having it. Yeah. And you know, you bring up a good point. I mean, there's so much to be said for the shiny object syndrome that we can all fall victim to where it's like we end up getting distracted. And, you know, next thing you know, you've got 800 emails a day that are coming in mm-hmm. through your inbox and you've subscribed to every little thing. And, you know, it's actually going to take you out of the game really quickly because I like to say if, if, you know, he who chases two rabbits catches neither. 
So when we aren't able and willing to stay focused on what's really important and on the message that we really want to receive, then we end up just listening to everything, which means we're listening to nothing. Nothing. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And, you know, you made a really good point too. You've got to, and and for you as a new health coach and for anybody listening, because we have a lot of health and wellness people who are listening, who are at different stages of their journey, but for anybody who's in the similar position as you starting out, it's important to see it from both sides. Number one, you want to follow a very select group. You said two, maybe three. And you need to also understand you will be one of those select group of coaches for someone else. Absolutely. So understanding what you're drawn to, understanding what you're attracted to in the coaches that you want to follow and the communities that you want to be a part of will be valuable in your understanding and how you show up for the people that want to be a part of yours. Of course. I think um, like we always say in the health coaching world, what is a health health means nothing. You need to specify, you need to have your niche. And that was a message that I received very early on. And I've, I've spent a long time thinking, right, what's my niche going to be? Because for some people I've got friends who are, you know, they've suffered from Crohn's or another illness. So they're like, I want to be a coach for Crohn's bang. That's it. Great. But I don't have that so much. Mm -hmm. So I spent a long time agonizing, but at the same time, I've never kidded myself that, Oh, I'll just be a health coach. I can do anything. We all know, of course, as health coaches, we have so much knowledge about so many different topics. But if you try and do that, you're going to attract nobody. You need to choose your lane and then stay in it. At least pick a lane to start with. If you end up, I'm under no illusion that what I'm doing now is going to be the same in even probably this time next year. But you've got to pick a lane to start with and drive in it for a while before you try and change. Yep. My coach, um, when I first started working with her a couple of years ago, told me something that was really valuable. And I repeat this now to my clients all the time. Whatever you choose is not a tattoo on your face. You're Mm. not stuck with it forever. And just like you as a human being are going to change, evolve and grow. So will your business. So will your offerings. And you are expanding. And so is who you are to this world and to the people who need you. So it's not like a life sentence that you're choosing. It's Mm -hmm. just a place to start, start with what, you know, start with what you're able to do right now. And, you know, good place to look for that is what are you passionate about? What do you enjoy right now? What could you help somebody with right now that needed your Mm -hmm. help and start there and start helping people. And as you evolve, as you learn more, as you expand, you will know when it's time to expand what you can offer, but you've got to be willing to stay super focused and very niched at the beginning to become known for something. And until you're known for it, you don't have any business trying to help everybody because you will help nobody. So for you to be able to say that and understand that at this stage of your journey is really, really important. So thank you for mentioning Mm -hmm. that because that's a tough one for people. It's a really tough one, especially if I was like, "Mm, I don't really have a thing, you know. And what I realized is that I actually need to go back a few steps in my own journey in order to find my thing because your thing needs to be something you can talk about with no resource with your eyes closed, you love it. But that's not necessarily the things that in my life personally right now, I am loving and learning and reading about. Mm-hmm. And that has been a bit of a learning journey for me because the set, like I'm, I'm massively into cycle health at the moment. And as a woman or as somebody with a cycle, aligning your life and using your hormones to benefit you. I'm reading so much about that at the moment and it is really changing my life. And I'm like, oh, I need to get that into coaching. But I'm like, that can come later. Right now, I need to focus on what I can talk about with my eyes closed. So I think having that realization has 
been crucial for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really powerful too, because, you know, there's a, the saying, teach what you want to learn, but you've also got to, you've got to be at a certain point where you are steps ahead of somebody else to be able to teach them. You don't want to teach it when it's so new for you. And I think that is one of the beautiful parts that, you know, back to what we were saying earlier, you are going to evolve and expand and grow. And part of the beautiful thing about being a coach and being in this industry is that's the expectation that we will always be growing. We will always be bettering ourselves. And what you're going through right now is not necessarily what you're going to teach right now, but knowing that you're moving into that space is what's really exciting about that will be something that you'll be able to offer Mm -hmm. as you get steps ahead of somebody else, as you start to master it and and come into more of an understanding of it. But like you said, what could you teach right now with your eyes closed? What could you Mm -hmm. teach right now without any resources? Because it is so ingrained in you because you've gotten to a point where you've learned it and lived it yourself. And now Mm -hmm. it's time for you to turn around and hold out your hand to somebody else to help them through that same thing. Exactly. And I think as some, you know, no one rolls in, no one wakes up one morning and thinks, oh, I'll enroll in health coach school. We all come at it because we've got an experience with our own health. It can be very easy to think, well, I know this, therefore everyone must know this. So I actually had an experience quite early on with one of my health history consultations. And apparently, I didn't know this at the time, but apparently I used the word holistic several times. Mm-hmm. And the client I was talking to actually stopped me and said, can you just explain what holistic means? I don't know that word. And I was like, oh, okay. Cause that's a word that for me, I, you know, holistic means a lot of different things to me, but I just assume that everyone knows it. So mm-hmm. that was a real awakening moment for me. Like this really is the basics and it can be overwhelming as a new health coach starting out and seeing other people absolutely smashing it, but you can't compare your start point to somebody Mm -hmm. else's two years down the line or four years down the line. You're not doing yourself any favors. And it really is a case of just being basic with your knowledge, because just because you're passionate about this, other people have different interests and the stuff that you think is basic is mind blowing to somebody else. Right. But well, then they're coming to you because you are the expert. You are somebody who knows enough about it and they don't, and they want you to teach them. They want to be a part of your world and your energy so that they can get that from you. And what we share and how we share it has to be so elementary that it is simple for us. We think it's almost too simple and too easy. Mm-hmm. But that's how it's consumable for them. And, you know, the easy stuff that we think is too easy really is at the level that they need to be receiving it at. And like you said, something as simple as like the word holistic, and Mm -hmm. we can't take for granted that the people that are coming to us for our support and our help and our expertise know all of that. It's hard to remember sometimes, you know, Mm -hmm. but I learned that when I used to be a math teacher, it's like, I would forget because I had been through all the different levels of math and I was teaching a level that I was so far past that I forgot at what level they needed to be taught at mm-hmm. because they hadn't learned all the things that I had learned. So we need to remember the same thing from our health journey. We've learned a lot and it's because we're passionate about it. We're interested in it, but somebody that's coming to us for the help and the expertise we can offer isn't passionate about it in the same way that we are. Exactly. So they don't know all the things that we know. Um, so coming from that perspective of keep it simple, that's how people mm-hmm. will really grasp onto it. And we're doing them a disservice if we don't keep it simple. Cause if we make it too complicated, they're not going to understand it and they're not going to want, they're, they don't want to be a part of our world because mm. being a part of our world feels confusing for them. But when we really, you know, pardon the word, but when we dumb it down, it makes it approachable. 
it makes it doable. It makes it something that they can relate to because at their level, it's very easy for them to consume it when it's very easy for them to understand. Exactly. So tell us a little bit about your journey. How did you become a health coach? And I know that, you know, we all have our own journey to, to health and wellness, and many of us are inspired to take it further and teach others. So how did you get there? Mm. Well, I guess the short answer coming from literally how did I get to where I am now is that I lost my corporate job due to COVID and realized that there was no way that I was going to get a new job anytime soon. And that wasn't where I wanted to spend my energy. So my husband and I had a chat. And at the time, it was a case of what can I do to bide my time until it's time to look for a new job. And then I stumbled across health coaching. You know, my background is catering. I've always been in food. Mm -hmm. So you and I work for the same company, which is a bonding point for us. I work for Aramark like you. I work for Compass. I've always been in food. But for the last few years I've wanted to take my corporate role into more of a health or nutrition role somehow and I wasn't quite sure how to do that I looked into becoming a nutritionist or a dietitian but my last corporate role actually or my second but last was in a hospital so I worked very closely with the healthcare dietitians there and learned what they actually did and that didn't fire me up so much I thought about becoming a personal trainer because I love fitness and exercise but that's very much a hobby for me. And I didn't, I did my time doing weekends, late nights, evenings as a waitress back in the day. And I didn't want to go there again. So I'm in ring. And then I came across health coaching and I was, I'd never heard of it. I didn't know what a health coach was, but immediately I was like, yes, that is what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So I enrolled in IIN and the rest is history. Here I am now. Wow. I love it. So what are some of the challenges, obstacles, maybe early on in life with your health that you encountered and and overcame? That is something that you know you can help others with. It it may or may not be in your niche that you choose to to work with, but what's something that you overcame younger from the health and wellness perspective? That's definitely influenced my niche, I think. As a teenager, even as a child, although I don't remember it, but my mum has told me I suffered from eating disorders in my late teens into my early 20s, quite severe to the point where I had to not attend school anymore for a while. I was just being driven in for lessons because I was sitting my A-levels, but I was at a boarding school and I was pulled out of the boarding element of boarding school my mom and dad had to really refine their lives to give me the support I needed going to doctor's appointments and um, seeing different therapists, et cetera, et cetera. So that was a really tough few years for me, for my whole family. Eating disorders don't just affect one person. It was the whole family. They are selfish, horrible, horrible diseases. Mm-hmm. And it's never about the food, as I'm sure most of us know. It's about other things going on. And I've learned since that it, for me, it tends to be out of control. I'm not great with change. And I was going through a massive change in my life. I had a very close-knit group of friends at school. And after we finished our GCSEs, I don't know what the American equivalent of that is. Sorry. (laughs) 
after we finished our GCSEs, a couple of my very close friends left the school and I took that hard. The boyfriend I was seeing at the time that, you know, when you're 15 and you're like, I love him, I'll marry him. Oh, yeah. He broke up with me and I was devastated. And I think that was a series of events that I was just looking for control in some area. And that really impacted my life for several years after that. So I think that's a big one. And then I kind of flipped the other way when I eventually moved to London. And I was probably at one of the most unhealthy points I'd ever been when I first moved there. I wasn't sporty at all. I was never sporty at school. That's something that's come into my life in the last few years. I was never sporty at school. I was unhealthy, unfit, drinking too much, partying too much, living the life, but not great for my body, you know, but I'd come out of a relationship. I think I just swung immediately into the other direction. But my on my bucket list had always been to run the London Marathon. Mm-hmm. And I'd always watched it on TV. It happens in April every year. And I was like, oh, I'd love to do that. I just saw the atmosphere and I saw the looks on the runners' faces. And I was like, that would be amazing. So every year I'd enter, it's a ballot. And I think they say something like for every 25 entries, one person will get a ballot entry. So I never, ever thought I would get in. My mum rang me up. I remember it so well. I was at my friend's house. We were organizing the hen party for another friend. She was like, Bex, there's a magazine here and it says you're in. And I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, you know what that is, mum? That's the London Marathon. I've got a place in the London Marathon. So this was October 2013. Really selective. Oh, well, it's, it's a ballot. It's a lottery. Your name gets picked out, you know. So there's no, it's not done on anything else. And were you uh, a runner leading up to that? And not no. at all. So I'm like got this play so I think I found out on it was like a Thursday or a Friday maybe so the next day I wake up and I'm like okay I need to get fit how long is it at this point before the marathon six months months? okay yeah and I'd read that you can train for a marathon in six months so I wasn't worried about that I thought I need to do some exercise but I didn't own any trainers so I thought I'll go swimming because you don't need trainers for swimming Uh so I went for a swim and then I phoned my sister on the I was walking home from the swimming pool I was like guess what She's like, what? I said, I've got a place in the London Marathon. And she went, you are being so stupid. You don't know what you're signing up for. This is ridiculous. My brother and sister were both runners at this point. I was not. You're being ridiculous. You will never do this. You can't just show up on the start line of the marathon and expect to do it. And I think that gave me the drive. I was like, I will show you. I will do this marathon. And so I set about I downloaded the Couch to 5K podcast. I went and bought some trainers, <laughs> number one. I was going to say, I it's about time. <laughs> yeah, I set to training. So I started off just following the program. And I, I had unwavering belief that I would run that marathon. It never occurred to me that I wouldn't. And it took me, I think, nine weeks to get even up to 5K to be able to run for 30 minutes without stopping. And then I just, I downloaded, I, no, I bought the book, The Non-Runner's Guide to Marathon Training. It's so old school. It was written years and years ago, but it just slowly taught you through. And my goal was, I like, I'm never going to win the marathon, obviously. Mm-hmm. My goal was to complete the marathon. And I just set about training, even through, you know, the weather in the UK in January and February is miserable. It's right. so cold. It's 
icy, but I got up every morning, not every morning. I think I was running three or four times a week. I got up, I put on my trainers and, you know, once you're running for an hour plus, it's not about the running anymore. Once your body can go for that, it becomes about the mental endurance because it's boring, you know? So it was about finding new routes. I listened to podcasts all the whole time. I can't run to music. So I was listening to podcasts and I just got out there and I did it. And still to this day, I list the day that I ran the London Marathon was probably one of two of the best days of my life. So because all my friends came to watch, my family came, it connected me with my brother, which we, it's not that we didn't get on. We've always had a fine relationship, but we've never had loads in common. But when Mm -hmm. I started getting into running, suddenly there was something we could talk about. Mm -hmm. So seeing my brother and his wife, they came and supported me. And I remember crossing the finish line and I just burst into tears. Like so everyone around me, everyone's sobbing. Cause I think by the time people like me are crossing the line, right. it's not about the physical, it's about the journey that you've been on, you know? So that has been a big one. And yeah. then. Had your brother ever run a marathon at that point? No, no one in my family has. So oh. I still, yeah, that I'm not sure amazing. I'm going to do it again, but. It was 2013. 20 uh, so I got the place in 2013 but it was the 2014 London Marathon wow so yeah it was it was and they say in marathon training the race the actual race is the reward for all the training that you're doing because the training especially when you get up to running and and when you're slow I've actually heard I think it was Mo Farah he said that if anything for pros like him that run marathons in like an hour he actually has more respect for the people like me who are taking five six hours to run it because there's a big difference to being on your feet for an hour even if you're push push pushing of course it's not like it's easy but for people that they set off on the race knowing they're still going to be on that race five hours later the mental challenge that that takes is massive whereas if you know that you're going to be done in an hour maybe two right you can do anything in an hour or two, right? But exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So that was a big a, one. I had a similar. I ran a half marathon once. I have not ran a marathon, but it was a double loop, so it was mm-hmm. very mentally challenging the second time through. Because even before I got to the second time, there were people that were lapping me mm-hmm. on their second time, and it was so. It was like just so defeating in many ways. Cause I felt like, Oh my gosh, I've got to keep going. And they're there. I'm watching them finish and I'm still on my first time through. Mm-hmm. So you're right. It's a, it's a mental thing. And I, I really love that. You said the race itself is the, the gift mm-hmm. that you get from the journey exactly. of training. And I think actually, just as we're sat here talking, I'm suddenly having an aha moment where I'm like, that's exactly the same as setting out in your health coaching journey, yeah. because other people are going to do it quicker. Yeah. Other, like I'm heading up two study groups with IIN. I'm quite naturally a, I'm a leader. I'm a bossy person. <laughs> I'm like, right, we're all going to get together. So I've found myself heading up two study groups here uh, while I'm in IIN. And sometimes other people are looking to me like, oh my God, you're doing like, I've, I've got seven clients at the moment that I've taken on. I'm doing a lot on my Instagram. I'm enrolled in other courses as well. And they're like, oh my God, you're doing so well. I'm like, I don't have kids. I don't have a job. I have nothing else. Mm -hmm. So don't compare me to where you are right now. It doesn't achieve anything. 
You can't compare your... Well, it doesn't matter if you have five kids. I mean, it doesn't matter if you have any kids. It doesn't matter what... You, ultimately, your circumstances are unique to you and exactly. nobody should compare themselves to you because everybody's journey is different. Mm-hmm. And as long as you've made the decision to get there, then it doesn't matter if you're getting there in six months or a year or five or 10 years. Right. If you've made it your goal to get there, you'll get there in your time. Yep. If you made a decision, it's happening no matter what. The timing isn't important. It's that it's your journey and it's unique and specific to you. And comparing yourself to somebody else is just going to, you know, I like to say if a goldfish were to compare itself to its ability to climb a tree, it would feel really like a failure. <laughs> yeah. And so can't compare ourselves to anybody else because we don't have the same skills, abilities, circumstances, or anything as somebody else. And our timing is our timing and it's personal to us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. So you ran the marathon. Have you ever mm-hmm. run one since? I did actually, I ran one the following year as well, because I started fundraising. I had the ballot place, so I didn't need to pay for my entry or anything, or maybe it was like pennies. I didn't have to pay very much to enter, but the vast majority of marathon places go to charities. So charities give them away in exchange for a guaranteed fundraising level. So I never had a guaranteed fundraising level, but I joined the Mind Mental Health charity team which is a charity that ever since overcoming my eating disorders I've been so passionate about raising money for them Mm -hmm. so I joined that team and we actually all clicked we had Facebook groups they put on a couple of training days for us in London and we as a group that ran the London Marathon just clicked massively and we all agreed like we'll do the the Brighton Marathon next year Mm -hmm. so I just signed up for it like I think on the buzz of the runner's high of the London Marathon and suddenly I'm doing it again the following year And I didn't enjoy that one as much. It didn't mean so much to me. I really struggled with it. So I think I should have bowed out (laughs) at my peak when the time was high. Yeah. What do you think that means? I mean, ultimately you weren't a runner before. So maybe that's just a little bit of an indication that maybe running wasn't your thing that you were meant to then cling on to. It was just, you wanted to have that challenge and prove to yourself that you could do something you'd never done. And maybe the second time it just wasn't as fulfilling. Exactly. That's exactly it. It wasn't as fulfilling. I still run now. I love to run, but no one needs to run five hours for fun. Yeah. Like now I'm like <laughs> 30 minutes and I'm done. Right, <laughs> That's it right. now. And be- being with, so I live out here in the Middle East. So mm-hmm. the temperature is insane from say April through October ish. Mm-hmm. You physically couldn't, I'm not a treadmill runner. I like to run outside. Mm-hmm. So here now, every I'm coming into my fourth, well, I'm coming into my fifth year. I've nearly done four years here. I start running again around October time mm-hmm. and then stop in March-ish, mm-hmm. March, April time. So when I get back the following October, I can barely do two minutes. I'm like, how did I ever run a marathon? But right. yeah, so now it's something that I do more to get outside to clear my head. I, I don't think a mar- if I ever did a marathon again, I don't think it would ever hold as much meaning. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting, but good for you for doing it. Cause that's a, that's something that a lot of people can say that they did. And it's, mm-hmm. it's more about the training, like you mentioned and the journey of who you become. And that's just not something that a lot of people are willing to do because it does take a lot of training and it does take a lot of mindset work to get through all that. So much. It takes over your life. It really does. Yeah. You have to be really dead. I remember my brother trained for one and, and ran one and it was like, oh my gosh, like I, I saw what he did. I saw what he went through. It was enough to make me go. Yeah, I don't, that's not for me. <laughs> that's what my brother and my brother and sister were both runners before I did the marathon. So there I am. Like, I think I had the, what do they say? Like blind naivety. I just didn't like what you say about yeah. when you first got into sales, you just yeah. didn't know anything. So you didn't know what 
could go. Yeah. I was the same with marathon running. Yeah. I was like, you know, how hard could it be? <laughs> um, turns I mean, out really being naive actually tend it happened to be one of my best superpowers in exactly. Sounds like you were the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that like makes I sense. I knew just little enough to not know what I was up against, so it didn't. It couldn't defeat me. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I had with doing the marathon as well. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. So you mentioned before too another big challenge that you have gone through in your life, and I'd love to hear about that because I think we learn so much from the challenges, and I know that this will serve others as well to hear about this experience. Mm, so running the marathons got me into fitness and exercise whilst I was training I got very much into hot yoga as a form of recovery and then I started like what else can I do I loved crossing the finish line and I recognized that sport and exercise was good for my body I'm not a team sports person I never have been but I did some obstacle races with my friends which were just fun I got into the gym I did classes but you know like I said before with eating was a form of control I think I started to use that as a form of control to an unhealthy way as well, which really came to its head a couple of years later when I didn't really realize it at the time, but I now do. I came, I used to cycle, ride my bike to work. I lived in London. And so I rode my bike to work, which I loved. Um, One evening I was riding home. It was a November evening. It was miserable, rainy, wet, cold, just not a very nice evening. And I came off my bike. I don't know, I slipped or I my tired nudged a speed bump or something. But anyway, I came off my bike badly in the middle of a busy road. I landed head first. I've no doubt that if I didn't have a cycle helmet on, I'd have been dead. No question in my mind. And I knew that immediately something was wrong. And my first thought was, I'm going to get fat. <clears throat> and that's wow. not right. That is not the first thought that you should be having when you have a massive You knew right away how injured you were. I I mean, I could see the blood on the road that was pouring out of my head. Mm -hmm. I could feel that I couldn't move my back. So I thought I must have, I I, honestly, I thought maybe I'm paralyzed or something. Mm -hmm. I screamed so loudly because it was a busy road. Mm -hmm. And I think I had the awareness to think I'm going to get run over. Mm -hmm. Thank God. Like things like this show you, people say like, like Londoners are, so rude they just think of themselves but so many people rushed over to help me and I don't know how I got to the side of the road but somehow I did um but in my head I was just thinking I'm gonna get fat I'm gonna get fat I'm not gonna be able to go to the gym I'm gonna eat all the food this is gonna be awful and that's not right that's not what you should be thinking and in that any, moment, at least that's exactly you know, in that moment fat. that was yeah. just my dominating thought because I was like I'm not gonna be able to do now when I look back I was at the point where my classes and my gym ruled my life. And I did them regardless of whether or not I wanted to, whether Mm -hmm. my body wanted to. If if I'd had a long, busy weekend, I'd been out with friends. I would get up on Monday morning at six o'clock or earlier. I think I was getting up super early and go to the gym. Even if what I now know, sometimes you just need to sleep a little more. Mm -hmm. I would say no to social occasions if they conflicted with the gym class that I'd already said that I was going to do I really ruled my life around it and the food this was the end of your life as you knew it in your mind yeah exactly and in my mind it was like I'm gonna get fat and if anything actually so I had the recovery I'd broken my shoulder badly Uh and there's nothing they can do for a broken shoulder it's just a case of rest it and I didn't get fat 
I took mm-hmm. it. It was three months off the gym in total, three months off anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that realization that wow, I didn't get fat. Mm-hmm. And now that showed me that actually it's okay to take a day off. Right. And that's something that teaches you that, you know, uh-huh. like the lessons you learn from it. Mm-hmm. Because up until that point, it's like, you know, when people think when they go on a diet, they're like, diet, diet, diet. And then they have one bad day and they're like, that's it. I've ruined everything. Right. So they and eat all the Oreos. Like, oh, I ate one, exactly. so I might as well eat all of them. Yeah, they go exactly. off. Exactly. So that has definitely informed my niche because I have decided to specialize in intuitive eating for want of a better word, but really just not being on a diet. Mm -hmm. And so the people that I'm working with at the moment have all come to me and they all said, I want to lose weight. Mm -hmm. And so it's, I think you're stupid to not listen to what's being brought to you at the time. So I'm like, okay, weight loss, that needs to be incorporated into my thing, but more about not being on a diet. If I could put my goal is for people not to be on a diet and just to learn about food and understand food so that they never have to go on a diet ever again. So that's my mission. And that's where I'm coming to health coaching from. And that has definitely been informed by the accident that I had and the realization that you can relax. And I think in relaxing around exercise, I've also relaxed around food as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I get that it's not easy. That's hard right. for a lot of people. It wasn't easy. It took coming off my bike and badly injuring myself for me to have that realization. Yeah. And that, well, I think it's conditioned in us in society. I mean, diets were kind of like the thing, the cool thing to do for a while. It was like, you know, and, and restricting yourself was the way that people knew to, you know, impact that change in their weight or, you know, whatever results they were looking for. So I do think there's a lot to be said for, coaches stepping into their power around that and showing people it's okay Mm -hmm. to take time off. It's okay. You can lose weight without being on a rigid restrictive diet. And that's, Mm -hmm. I think it's about learning. Like one of my clients came to me. I honestly, I wanted to cry when she told me this, she said, Oh, I think I'll be on my weight loss journey forever. (gasps) That just broke my heart. No one should be on a weight loss journey forever. Right. You know, and I think sometimes what you have to realize I had a bit of I used to I did some online PT for a while um and it was working with that he incorporated an element of coaching into his PT sessions and it was working with him that I realized he said something to me which I just never left me which was don't give up 95% of your life to weigh 5% less yeah which that was a real aha moment for me because he's like Bex your body type is your body type. Your shape is your shape. I've never been one of those super skinny girls. I've also never been massively overweight. He's like, you work with your body and just get to the point where you're just happy living your life. Like up until recently, I've liked to drink. I love my food. I love going out. And in order to be what I thought in my head I wanted to be like this I grew up in the age of like the super supermodels, mm-hmm. like heroin chic you know like mm-hmm. stick thin that was what we all aspired to be mm-hmm. my body is never going to get there it's been there once I was so sick and miserable so I do think life teaches you all these things totally Totally. And that's where I think our experience really serves others in what we've learned. We can share from that place so that others mm-hmm. don't have to have that kind of horrific experience 
to really learn and understand how to accept themselves and how to feel good about the weight that they are and to honor mm-hmm. their body for what it is and what it gives to them every single day. Definitely. I had another client that I'm working with at the moment and she wanted, she has a habit of instead of having a proper meal for lunch, she has like a coffee and a snack. And she's like, I need to break this. I need to have a proper meal at lunchtime. Okay, cool. So we did some work and I'm thinking, I'm looking at her and I can see that this isn't. And I said, why do you want to do like, why, what benefit do you think you're going to have by having a proper meal? And she's like, well, I should, shouldn't I? Like I'm a grown up. I should be eating lunch. I'm like, why? She's like, well, I should. I'm like, but do you want to? Mm-hmm. She's like, no, not really. I like having my coffee and my snack. I'm like, well, cool. Have your coffee and your snack. Move on. And that was a real aha moment for her, that because she was so fixated on the fact that having her coffee and her snack was bad. And that she should be having a proper lunch. That was really taking some mental energy from her, you know. So the aha moment of actually you're a grown up. If having a coffee and a snack works for you in the middle of the day, cool. Have a coffee and a snack. Like none of the clients, I don't see myself ever working with a client that's training to be an Olympic athlete, you know, in which case perhaps a coffee and a snack for them isn't the best choice. But for the average Joe, have a coffee and a snack. If that's what's serving you and that's what you're enjoying, Well, and if you're really in connection with your body and you're listening to it and Mm -hmm. it's telling you something is wrong and you know, you feel intuitively like maybe I do need to have a proper meal or I need to add something else, some Mm -hmm. greens into my, my middle of the day, you know, meal. cool. Mm -hmm. But shaming yourself over it or shooting yourself through it or making yourself wrong. Like you said, you're an adult, like just own your decision until it's not serving you or not working for you in some way. And you'll know listening Mm -hmm. to your body when that happens. Otherwise, enjoy it. Enjoy it. Live with it. And spend your life thinking about something way more important than food. Yeah, totally. There's so many more important things in life. Live your life, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, Yeah, I spent so many years obsessing about food, Mm -hmm. not concentrating because I was worried about where my next meal was coming from. If I went to a conference with work or something, I would panic if I didn't know what time the food was. I'd panic if I didn't know what the food was. If I, I used to like, I've always been quite lucky and I get meals for free with the job that I've done. So I would take the menu and plan. This is what I'm going to have. This is what I'm going to have. So I would freak out if I got there and that menu item was closed or finished for whatever reason. It just consumed me thinking about food the entire time. And it's exhausting. Well, so, and that's and, what you mentioned earlier about not dealing well with change. It's like that mm-hmm. that little, like you could kind of, you know, you would come to depend on, I picked out the menu and I know that's what's going to be available. And, mm-hmm. and and like you said, it just consumes your whole day and you're not really living your life. You're just consumed by that one decision. And I think that's where I've aligned with wanting to get people out of this diet mentality because the massive dieting companies that it seems to me, people often defer to, they teach you sins or points or something else, another terminology for food, because it serves them to do that. Because if, as long as they're not teaching you about food properly, whenever you, for want of a better word, fall off the wagon or you feel like you want to go back on a diet, you go back to them because that's what you know. So my goal is to teach people about food, the basics of food, 
-hmm. because then you'll never need to go on another diet because you'll know what food is serving you because you'll understand that food is food and it's not a sin or a point or a, any other terminology, mm-hmm. but that's never going to serve a diet. That's not commercially viable for a massive diet company, you know? So that's where I've really found so passionate that the freedom I have found from no longer worrying about, like I genuinely, food doesn't cross my mind any longer than it ever needs to anymore. But that's because I have educated myself and I have an understanding of certain basics you know Mm -hmm. and I think now I'm able to intuitively listen to my body and understand that if I want to have a cake and a coffee instead of proper lunch cool I'll have that and then I'll move on with my life it's not going to you know and naturally I think the panic for a lot of people is you know well if I'm not on a diet I'm going to go crazy with the cake and the chocolates and the candy and the sweets and I'm never ever going to stop eating it no you won't that's not what's going to serve your body maybe for a few days maybe even a couple of weeks you will but you'll soon realize that actually your body really wants you exactly your body wants you to eat the good stuff and you just need to trust it and give it what it wants right Yeah, I think that's a really good point because it's very easy for people to think, yeah, but if I let myself have the cake, then I'm going to want the cake every single time and I'm going to be out of control and I'm going to eat it nonstop. Mm -hmm. And that was my thought. Yeah. And I think it's almost like then give yourself permission to Mm -hmm. what would happen if you just gave yourself permission to eat cake every single time if you wanted to. And eventually, and it probably wouldn't take very long, you wouldn't want to keep eating the cake. You'd get sick of it and do it all the time. You'd be like, well, that's not actually what I want all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the same lesson I'd had when I came off my bike and I had the accident because up until that point, I never ever would have missed a planned gym session ever for nothing. And if I did miss it, I would freak out. It would make me grumpy and touchy and miserable. And suddenly I'm being forced to miss three months of gym sessions. And what I thought was the worst thing that could happen, which was I would get fat. That didn't happen. If anything, like I probably had a really good rest that my body desperately needed. If anything, I lost weight. But that that's an aside. Mm -hmm. The worst that could happen in my head didn't happen at all. And that has really served me as a life lesson. That's a great lesson. Yeah, I had a similar thing when I had a I was hospitalized for a while and just had a really bad um, infection. And coming out of that, I was the same. I couldn't go to the gym. I couldn't do my normal. And I was a very active person. I did a lot where I thought if I ever stop doing this, I'm going to get fat. I'm going to get unhealthy. I'm going to, and I didn't have a choice. I couldn't move my body. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of things I couldn't do for months on end after getting out of the hospital. And it forced me to recognize that the worst thing that I was afraid of didn't actually happen. Mm Mm-hmm. And actually the worst thing was that I couldn't work out and that I couldn't move my body. So that did happen, but the results of that weren't what I thought they were going to be. Exactly. It turns out my body needed the rest more than I realized. Mm -hmm. And that served me in ways that I never could have understood had it not been forced on me. Mm. I'm a big believer in everything happens for a reason and that what's meant to be will be. And sometimes these things are sent to challenge us. And yeah. sometimes they are lessons that we need to learn, yep. you know, and we would have chosen for ourselves, but if it doesn't, we, uh, never, exactly, yeah. exactly. So I'm a big believer in that. Yeah. I always say everything is always working out for me. 
I, yeah, I've adopted that. Yeah. You've heard, you've heard me say it a million times, right? <laughs> you've been in my community long enough now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say it dozens and dozens of times a day to myself because it changes your perspective. And then you start to see things truly as working out for you, regardless mm-hmm. of how you would have perceived them before, because you really believe eh, everything's working out for me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that becomes your perspective. So, totally. um, so yeah, where can people find you and follow you and be a part of your world? Mm-hmm. You can follow me on Instagram at Bex Brain. Uh, that's the best place. My Facebook community is coming soon uh, at the end of February. I'm excited for that. But yeah. for now, Instagram's the best place to find me. Okay. You can find me in your community. <laughs> I'm very active in your community. You are. You are in there so powerfully and I love it. What do you love most about that community, about being in Nicole Still Superstars? The community aspect, I think, and the fact that I think I we've had this conversation before I've told you this as well I really resonate with your style and you are teaching me the ways it's possible to do health coaching without doing it the way that you're kind of taught to do it almost you know people say write blogs do a newsletter and actually if that's not serving you then find another way to do it and I think the way that you run your community really ticks all my boxes because that's how I can see myself running my own community so I think twofold I think the lessons I'm learning from you and the way you're running your coaching business I'm taking and absorbing and stealing like sometimes I think like she's gonna think oh god like she's stalking me but the community (laughs) aspect as well I think knowing that there's this whole bunch of other people out there who are, we're all on the same path. Like you always say, we all want to make the world a healthier place mm-hmm. and coming together as a community and knowing, because it can be really lonely, just sat at home all the time, studying, working. The connection to others is super important, I think. Yeah. And like you said, we're, we are walking permission slips for each other. So that is how I intend to show up is to serve my community in a way that gives them permission to do the same for theirs. Because mm-hmm. like you said, there's, there's no right way to do this other than what's right for you. you. And somebody's path may have been writing blogs, but that doesn't have to be yours. And that's not the only way somebody else's path may have been writing emails and that does, you know, so we've got to decide what serves me, what, what aligns most with me. And that's where I intend to serve is showing up in a way that works for me so that everybody in my community understands they have permission to do the same in theirs. Because it doesn't have to be hard. Yeah. And that's the lesson that I'm learning every day is you, can make this as hard as you want it, but it's okay for it to be really easy. It's okay to be like the lessons that I'm talking to clients about now I could do with my eyes closed with no research with, with nothing because it is just ingrained in me. So it's easy for me and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how it should be because you should be teaching from the space of what's easy for you and everybody should be showing up and doing in this world, what's easiest for them. And the world would be a better place because then we'd all stick to what we know and stay mm-hmm. in our lane and let stay in our lane. the best. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool place to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much Bex for your time, for sharing your story. It was so powerful mm-hmm. in, you know, you describing the challenges that you've been through and overcome. And that's, what's going to make you an amazing coach for your clients because you've been Aww. there and walked them through the fire. <laughs> Thank you. And thank you so much for this opportunity. And honestly, for everything you're doing for me, you've been such an inspiration and continue to be. So I really, really appreciate this opportunity. And every, yeah, you know, every day I sit down and have my breakfast with 
Nick at night. So <laughs> love it. Uh, love it's it. a it's a part of my day now. So thank you for everything you're doing and for being that person that I can look to and think if she can do it, there's no reason why I can't. So exactly. I thank you for that. saying that because that's exactly what I want everybody to get out of it is, you know, I want to show you what's possible for your life so that you show up for it. Absolutely. You do that very powerfully. So thank you again <laughs> for being a part of our community. Thank you for being here. And I cannot wait to see where 2021 takes you. This is a big know, year. It's going to be a good year. Big things coming. So mm-hmm. everybody go follow at Bex Frame on Instagram. Stay tuned for her February, mm-hmm. right? February Facebook February. group coming mm-hmm. out. Yep. I think February and, 24th. There we go. February 24th. You've got big things in the works and I cannot wait to see all that 2021 brings you. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And everybody go check her out on Instagram. Go come join us in Nicole's Sale Superstars. And hopefully I'll see all of you on a Nick at Night very, very soon. Thanks. Good night. Thank you. Bye. All right. That is a wrap for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And by the way, if you like this, subscribe because there's more good stuff coming your way. Also, please leave a review. It would mean so, so much to me and it would help others who are considering listening to this podcast to understand how amazing it is. And while you're at it, why not share with a friend? And by the way, one last thing, I would love to hear from you. I would love to connect with you. So you got a couple options. You can check me out on Instagram at Healthy Steps with Nicole. You can find me in my private Facebook group, Nicole Sales Superstars, or you can go to my website, healthystepswithnicole.com. I would love to hear from you and I can't wait.